Hello and welcome to Dinosaur Man News and Reviews. I'm Andy Hughes. I'm here with Alex Hudson. Represent. Represent for all those people that need representing. No. All the Alex Hudson. I'm not the there. one who should be representing for them. At the front of the queue of all the if, Alex Hudson. If the underrepresented were represented by me, they would rather be unrepresented. <laughs> I think. I would. I would argue that that is probably true. I am. Of the two of us, the least likable one of the podcast. Oh, I don't think that's true. Oh, 100% is true. Oh, it might be true. You're much kinder to movies. Mm. Uh, Depends on the movie. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. I am I flip between ang- anger and happy so quick. Mm. But there's nothing in the middle for you. No, I'm so, no middle So far ground. this year, there's only been best film of the years and worst film of the years. Nothing mm. in the middle. There Actually, no- I've been thinking about this recently. There's not a lot of sort of middling, but decent middling films this year. I don't know. I think there are. I think there's been a lot of bad middling films. Maybe, yeah. Like I, I think there's a lot less grey area, but is that just... Okay, so like times? 7500, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt is <laughs> a pilot thing. That is like bad middling, I think. But, like, I'm trying to think of stuff where I'm like... Because if you look outside, like, the top 15, 20 in my list, mm-hmm. there's stuff in there where I'm like, I don't know if uh, Random Acts of Violence is that good of a film. I know what you mean. Like, look outside the top 10, 15 of my list and you're in the bottom five. <laughs> um, <laughs> but will we be talking about well, something that's going to fit outside the top 20 today? Maybe. Who knows? The thing is, like... I think it might just be like a sign of the times of just like, I watch something now and I'm just like, okay, I either love this or I hate this. Like, I feel... Although actually, it has to Are you just happy to be up. watching stuff? Maybe, because I do think... A lot of the time I feel like it's an ordeal to watch some stuff. Maybe Sometimes, something we watched some this week. Watched, mm-hmm. um, yeah, some of the things we watched have been pretty poor. But yes. Like, I've seen some decent stuff and, you know, it's a year, guys, isn't it? And it is the year. It's a year. Oh, it's a year. Uh, yeah. Yes, oh, both are true. It is the year, and it's also a year. But I am happy, as always, to be here speaking to our dear listeners. Every year is the year, but only for the year that it is the year. But then, henceforth, it has always been a year. Well, there you go, guys. But I actually think that 2020 is going to hold a higher esteem. I think people are going to remember. Mm. People will remember... like. I don't want to be the guy to say this like, at a turn. I, don't, I think I might be the first person mm. I remember this year. I think this is going to be the first year that is going to be regarded as that year. Because I thought it was always going to be like 2016. Like 2016 was like, I remember... I thought 2012. Because, you know... <laughs> the Mayans. Well, the John Cusack movie, I thought. Oh, I thought you meant when the Mayans were just like... No, I, I actually meant right 2009's 2012. Well, what a lot of people don't know is mm. the reason the Mayans never wrote any calendars past... 2012 mm-hmm. because they realized they could go to um shopping shopping malls yeah. all over the country and there's one of those little calendar stores uh-huh. and they've already done the calendar for them so yeah. they're there and they've got like you know their Tottenham Hotspurs calendar up uh, weird that that's the first calendar you went to <laughs> okay cool one of big cats <laughs> okay you know what also why can I only think of the name like we had the same conversation literally the other day what do you call those places where there's lots of shops? Because I can only call them shopping malls at the moment in my head. Shopping or malls shopping or shopping centres. Shopping, shopping centre, cent- shopping, shopping precinct, shopping mall, shopping complex. Okay, but like shopping mall is an American term. Like American yeah, but you can, you can apply it here. Yeah, but I can... Well, you would say, I think in the UK you would say shopping centre. Mm-hmm. Um, you might say... No, you would. I think you would only say yeah, shopping centre in the name, UK. I can't remember the word centre whenever I talk about it. Yes. And I don't know if that's something that I should be concerned about, but I believe as time goes by... Mm. Great sitcom. Great song. <laughs> I'm thinking of five years' time. No, <laughs> That's how much dumber I'm getting. Hang on, that's what you're thinking of. You're in not thinking of... Five years' time. Was it Vera Lynn? Oh, she did We All Meet Again, which was the theme thinking, tune for um, As Time Goes By. I'm thinking No and the Whale. <laughs> um, so, As Time Goes By... Uh, sorry, I I got really distracted by the computer because it stopped, lagged, and it means that I think there will be some bad audio in that first bit. Yeah, every but- time I spoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, also because it kind of muted my microphone a little bit, I don't know. Um, but as time goes by, the sitcom, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you'd describe it as a sitcom, actually. So it was Judy Dench and Jeffrey Palmer. Do you remember that? No. So do you remember Judy Dench? No. Okay, cool. Uh, so Judy Dench was M in James Bond for a long while. Okay. Now uh, you watched Die Another Day recently. Yes. I don't think this. I don't think Jeffrey Palmer's in it. But do you remember the guy who played the general in like Goldeneye or? Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. The British, uh, he might have been like a field marshal or something like that. Well, this is this is fucking randomized. Yeah. It? So I always liked the fact that you could almost like spin off uh, those two characters from James Bond <laughs> into this sitcom about these two old people who got married. I think like they couldn't use like M and whatever Jeffrey Palmer's name was in James Bond. Just as a. Um... Aside, guys, people might be wondering why I watched Die Another Day recently. Uh, because you do it every week and it's your favourite yeah. film of all time. <laughs> but also, I think you said that it was the greatest theme tune to anything apart from the Dinosaur Man podcast. Well, of course, always put myself first. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's because I'm going to be on a podcast called The Best and Worst of British. Yeah. Best or Worst of British, I think. Bo-Wob. Um, with, is that what they're going with? Is the that's acronym? Short, that's why it's shortened to anyway. Wob. But it's with um, my good friend Tom Hodgson and Lorcan. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what Lorcan's surname is. Good friends. <laughs> Good friends. Um, but, you know, we go. I'm going on there. I've already recorded it. It comes out at some point. I don't know when. Okay. Um, but find them on... It doesn't come out for a year and a half. Well, they've got, like, three series on there at the moment. It's really good. Three series? Yeah, yeah. It's too really many. Well. well, too many is how many... Uh, We've done one series of this. <laughs> yeah. This has been one... Conti- we are like, the EastEnders of podcasts, guys. Yeah, it very it very much is a case of just the second series will begin, I guess, at some point. Well, actually, we worked it out the other day, didn't we? We were looking at yeah. it, and we worked out there was definitely a season two point in this You guys podcast. might not have noticed, because for you, it's just been a constant barrage of noise. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of you weren't around for then, because <laughs> uh, the people who were on board at that point, they definitely left. <laughs> Continuing with the constant barrage of noise. Season one had some terrible audio. <laughs> Alternative podcast name. Mm. Uh, okay. Should we talk about what we're going to talk about today? A hundred percent we should. What are we going to review? We're going to review The Trial of the Chicago 7. We're going to review Borat's subsequent movie film. We're going to review Black Box. We're going to review The Mortuary Collection. All right here, right now, live, as it's performed, live. And guys... As the only podcast that talks about news and talks about reviews, before we get to those reviews, oh, yeah. we have to talk movie news. But before we get to movie news, hold up, wait a minute. Let me tell you about <laughs> gaming news. Sorry, hold up, wait a minute, is one of my favourite bits that you've ever done. Because <laughs> you put your hand up and went, hold up, wait a minute, right. and you know that is was? a song. So... What happened there was I was going to do the lyrics to the song and forgot what the next lyric was, so therefore decided just to stop. It's hold up, wait a minute, let me put my something in it. No, okay, no. So, actually, that's a different song. I'm thinking of a thing that I've seen on TikTok, um, but oh, you're yeah, thinking of TikTok Uptown right Funk, it where it's stop, wait a minute, fill my cup, put some liquor in it. No, I no? don't think I am. No? No. Hold on. Wait a minute. Let me put my... Oh. Is it... Hold is it, is it, is it, is it? Wait a minute. Let me put my... I think it's something like put my something I inside you. I think put you. my something in it. And I yeah. think, guys, we should not be condoning that that behaviour. Yeah. No no sex. No sex? No, really, we're an anti-sex podcast, guys. We're, we're pro... Uh, what are we pro? We're pro-thatcher? <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're pro-thatcher. Anti-zombie thatcher. Pro... Abstinence, but also we're pro WAP. Yes, white ass podcasting, (laughs) right? Which is the (laughs) which is the subtitle for season two. Are you really worried that one always? I'm terrified. Somebody's going to pull audio of us saying that we're pro-factor, despite definitely mm-hmm. not being pro-factor. Context makes a lot of difference, and I think without you know, I you know that I'm pro-factor anyway. <laughs> um, off the pod. <laughs> Should we continue with gaming? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. We're, we're, but we're anti the... Like, as we discussed previously, the Thatcher we had was not the worst Thatcher we could have Zombie Thatcher is the worst, and we know this, 100%. Guys. So all we're saying is, like, in the grand scheme of things, when you put real Thatcher next to zombie Thatcher, we're pro-real Thatcher. I'd much rather have someone who's just taking milk away from kids. Rather than the brains. Yeah. Oh, what do you want? Do you want her to starve the kids, or do you want her to feast on their brains? Either one isn't great, but one's definitely preferable. (laughs) Gaming news. What you got? 
I got a song. Oh, no. Can I sing? I feel you're going to anyway. Lady Madonna, children at your feet. Wonder how you ever make ends meet. Who pays, who finds the money when you pay the rent? Did you think that money was Blevin sent? (laughs) Tyler Blevin's news. Okay. (laughs) I was wondering where you were going with that. Tyler Blevin. Tyler Blevins, he's number one on Twitch again. Our good friend Ninja. It happened two weeks ago, but I haven't done news about him in a while. Uh, he's got 16 million followers. He's oh, got more than double. Uh, second place. Let me just get his name right. Oh, Dinosaur no. Man. Whoa. It says here, Zombie Thatcher. Uh, Tafu, T-F-U-E. He's got nine million. Shroud in third place with eight. He's gone crawling back. Myth. Rubius, who appears to be a cat wearing a bandana, (laughs) which is pretty fucking cool. Pokimane? Pokimane? What? What's that called? Pokimane? She's the woman who did the Among Us stream with... um, So, it's called what? It's Pokimane or Pokimane. I don't know. I don't know. I've never There's no accent over the E. I've just seen the It's not like Sadio Mane. I don't I saw her name in a tweet the other day. That's how I know. Okay. Pokimane. Also, H-Bomber Guy was on that stream. There's a guy called H-Bomber Guy. Like, don't worry. Pokimane. I'm I'm cool with the internet, you know? And then it says here, Tyler Mane, the guy who played Sabretooth in the first (laughs) X-Men movie. (laughs) Tim the Tatman. Tim the Tool Man. Oh my god. It's not Tim the Tool Man, Taylor. It's Tim the Tap Man. He's real. Uh, Pokemani. I don't know. Pokemon. Yeah. She is not as good as Ninja. Where are we? Um, Here's the thing. I see you scrolling a lot. Why do you keep scrolling? Well, I've only got the top seven. Oh, no. We're not in it. I'm sorry to say that. And I think our one viewer, Do you think it's Rory because Spence, we haven't streamed for... Over a year? No, no. We streamed during lockdown, remember? We, Did we? We went to see... Yeah, yeah, we remember when we told the audience we're definitely going to start streaming now, and we set up the account again. Yeah, but we've been back at work for a lot. And we streamed mm. a little bit, and then yeah. for four months, I don't think we have. Okay, do you want us to again? I keep threatening to do it. I keep threatening but to what stream would you my stream? horny game, uh, but I don't want to be arrested. I don't think you should stream your horny game. It's too I've weird. I realise why I love Yakuza. Uh, we'll get back to your news story in a minute. I realise why I love We don't need to. I've done all I need to. It's because mm. it gives me a checklist. And yeah. I think I love checklists. Like right. It's like, oh, you've got to do this thing. So you like instructions as to yes. how to do things. But also, then I looked at the checklist and went, okay, there's some stuff on here I'm never going to be able to do. Okay, so you're but, never going to 100% it. Exactly. So I should just stop doing the checklist. But there's something in my brain that says, I've got to do this now. Yeah. So I'm doing all that I can to do as much as I can. And I think that's what I like. Okay. But I really like Yakuza still. How much further do you think you are? Uh, a couple of chapters st- on. Story-wise, yeah, probably like two chapters, but I've probably put another like 10 hours into it. How many chapters is it? I think there's like 13. And you're on like seven? Five, eight? six. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But good for Blevins. Movie news. One day he'll come on our podcast. Movie news. Movie news. Zack Snyder's Justice League cut is getting some killer laughs. Ugh. What? Awful. Uh, so, yeah, Jared Leto's coming back to play Joker in the reshoots for um, Snyder Cut for Justice League. And also, I saw Joe Mangiello is filming stuff as Deathstroke for it. And wow. it's almost like this film isn't going to be the original cut that Zack Snyder said it would be. It's almost like they're filming a lot of extra stuff for this movie. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I don't like, care. The thing is, though, it's brave mm. to go, okay, one of the most divisive characters we've had in these movies so far, of yeah. Jared Lee's Joker, let's bring him back. Mm. That's what David Ayer was celebrating it. Of course. It means that's, that Ayer cut might be coming out of Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like... Why? <laughs> right, hang on. Do you think the only thing that was stopping the air cut of Suicide Squad being the, made was the fact that they weren't well, sure that Leto would come back? Snyder's just gonna because like he needs to make some extra movie, doesn't he? So mm. he's just gonna cut like Suicide Squad into Justice League. They're like it's, oh, okay. it's an eight-hour movie now, and it's guys. both. Okay. Surprise! I don't. I, I don't like that. Also, the one cut is in here of Aquaman. 
Um, well. That we all know, we all know there were no cuts made to Aquaman, and that's what made it brilliant. Yeah, it kind of felt like they. I think they found stuff on the cutting room floor <laughs> from other movies in. and put it in there. Uh, so that's that. Uh, do you have any interest? No, in I'm not going to see this. Seeing that Joker again? No, and I'm not going to see um, what's it called? I thought you were. Oh, do I have to watch it? I don't know. We'll see. Oh, we'll use the excuse of until HBO Max comes out over here, we will pretend that we can't see it. And then when they release it in cinemas, we'll also say that we can't see it because... Or when they put it on Sky or whatever, yeah. we'll go, oh, well, we also can't watch it because we'll revoke our Sky license by that point. That's why. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Apple, Netflix, and other streaming services explored the possibility of acquiring No Time to Die before it was postponed to 2021. Um... So MGM, who the studio behind the film, reportedly lost thirty million to fifty million due to the delays, um, and apparently there were secret discussions being held regarding um, the acquisition of No Time to Die for up to six hundred million dollars. Um, obviously, of money. Yeah, I, I, look, I don't think this is going to happen anyway. I think this was no. this is now moot due to it being moved back to 2021. I, I think can't they've... imagine a Bond movie not being in the cinema. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine its first appearance not being on a big screen. Mm-hmm. And, but the, the, the kind of flip side of that is if they're being offered like 600 million, yeah. their thing is going to be, we would make a billion normally. Yeah. Say, like, we'll get close to a billion anyway. And then having to weigh up, oh, in this climate, is 600 million actually probably better than what we would get if we did put this in the, in the cinema? Because obviously that's the reason why it's been delayed. Mm. I just can't see, like, I just can't imagine a world in which a film that big goes straight to streaming. Mm. And yet Mulan did. Hmm, it did. And Soul is. I'm looking forward to Soul. I'm looking forward to Soul. I think I spoke about this last week, maybe, mm-hmm. when we talked about it. But I'm looking forward to watching it on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Like, when the family around. Wrapped in your gym jams. Wrapped in my gym jams. Eating toast. Oh. Toast on Christmas Day or no? No. We've talked about this, haven't we? But we talked about it literally two or three years ago. when Christmas Day. On one of our worst episode ideas ever, which was, <laughs> what are your plans for Christmas yeah, Day? <laughs> we went through all the episodes we've done recently. We've put them through some shit. Um, but no. Christmas Day always starts with a fry-up. A fry-up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's It's kind of tradition now, but like... My you do was... the main meal on Christmas Day, though, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I have like two big meals. Yeah, it's a big, big meal to yeah. start the day. Well, the big thing is we don't eat Christmas dinner until fairly late in the day. Like 11? Uh, no, later. P.M.? No. <laughs> that, that's what I meant, 11 oh, p.m. No, no, we eat like, say, 4 or 5 p.m. That isn't... That I still feel like after a fry-up, I'm... But I don't mean, forget, we're waking up at like... Eight, nine in the morning, having a fry up there. That's a lay in. I don't want to wake up at that time, guys. I want to be sleeping still. But I love how you're like, oh, I have to wake up at like eight or nine. I'm like, I'm up at six. And I'm like, yeah, you're just illustrating my point. It's late in the day to be having a fry up. No, then you have a fry up. Okay. Cool. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, So this. This comes alongside the news that uh, Coming to America, the sequel to the Eddie Murphy film uh, mm-hmm. has been purchased by Amazon um, for apparently $120 million, which is a lot of money. Yeah. But, you know. They obviously feel they're going to make that back, though. Well, it's Amazon. They've already got that money. Yeah, I think they, they take it as, we probably aren't going to make that back, but hey, whatever. We've got the <laughs> the long-awaited sequel to Coming to America. I don't know if anyone's particularly I don't even remember it. the first one. <laughs> You're not a, you're not a Murph boy though, are you? Uh, not no. Really. Um, okay, let's move on. Obviously, he did his stuff with Naughty Professor guys because mm-hmm. ho ho hilarity ensued. I'm kind of like a big fan of Shrek. Is the thing. Michael B. Jordan is reportedly in talks to not only star in but also direct the third installment in the Creed franchise. Good. He might do it. Um, so the news was first reported by Deadline within the context of a larger story about MGM. Uh, who produced and distributed Creed 2 and produced Creed. Uh, so, first Creed film was helmed by Ryan Coogler, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Creed 2 was Stephen Cappell Jr. 
but Michael B. Jordan's been making talks about um, wanting to retire from acting and move into directing, and maybe this is the first thing that he does. The thing is, I really liked Creed 2. Mm. I thought it was really good. Um, and I just really want to see more of that storyline. Mm. Um, but I'd also be really interested to see what Michael B. Jordan does with it, because I don't know what his vision looks like. This is obviously going to be his first kind of frame to direct in. Mm. I have no idea what his vision Boxing like. in a pandemic. In Fight Island. <laughs> is that the thing that they're doing at the moment? Yeah, yeah. That's UFC, though, isn't yeah. it? Not uh, boxing. Boxing, it's Fight Camp or whatever. I don't know. I've not paid attention. What's the promoter's name? Eddie Hearn? Yeah. Yeah, in his back garden, they've got like a, oh, a no, boxing ring set like up. This. Yes. Yeah. And it's Brilliant. like all of the media go to it and th- that's not? what it is. Uh, so maybe that could be the setting, <laughs> a pandemic version of Creed. And I suppose the, the positive thing for him is that there's already a kind of style mm. to these Creed movies. So it kind of, it's it's easing his hand into being able to kind of follow. Did they kill off Rocky in the last one? Did they? I don't think they did, did they? No, they should have killed him off though. Like In the first in the one. first one. Because he's really good in that first one. But he, the thing is, that if he'd killed him off in the first one, he couldn't have had his face off with Drago again. Mm. I'm going to watch Creed, Creed 2 again. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. Cool. I've not seen that film since it came out, I don't think. Well, yeah. I watched it at least a couple of times mm-hmm. in the cinema. Okay. I'm going to watch it again. Okay. You do that. And that's a dinosaur man promise. It means nothing to the audience. You don't know the things I've promised before. Hey, talking about sequels, The Meg 2, which is a film that I don't think anyone necessarily thought needed to happen, apart from Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's taken a big step forward this week where it's, it's apparently, I mean, I don't understand this. It's apparently found a director in Ben Wheatley. Um, I don't know. Also, a Hudson favourite. To direct the sequel to the 2018 giant shark thriller hit, The Meg. I don't even know if it was a hit. <laughs> I guess so. It must have been. You in saw order it, didn't to... you? Yeah, I did. Oh, I, yeah. I watched it on a plane. Um, it was fine. It's nonsense. Well, Jason Statham didn't punch that shark, and that was the biggest problem. Well, no, he did. He did, but kind of, it was a deleted scene. You might not have seen it. <laughs> Did you see it? No. Oh, okay. I should have. Yeah, it's kind of right up your alley. I think out in, of the no, two of us to see it. The Meg was in that period of time mm-hmm. where I was busy working away. Yes. And I missed like six or seven films and I just never caught mm. up with them. Yeah, I caught up with it at Christmas. What's your excuse? Um, time moves on and new movies keep coming. Time does move. Yeah, and you don't see any of those either. <laughs> you see how this is a vicious cycle. Um, I've uh, seen... Three new movies this week out of the four. How many so, have you seen? <laughs> this week? You can't count the ten minutes of Barrett you did see. Yeah, two and a ten minutes. Mm. If I know that I don't like Borat, why would I watch the full thing? Mm. <laughs> I just had to check that it was still the case. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it is still the case. Um, so, John and Eric Hober have wrote the most recent draft, uh, working off initial draft, uh, by someone else, uh, but it seems to have been, you know, moving on a pace now. Uh, it did proved you, to be a worldwide hit, chomping its way to five hundred and thirty million globally. Did you ever expect Ben Wheatley to be the next director of the next Meg? No, I, I don't think. Well, this is the thing. So Ben Wheatley's just had Rebecca come out on Netflix this week, which I will be reviewing, I guess, in two weeks' time because we're getting a special episode next week. Ooh, um, uh, don't celebrate it too much; it might be shit. Uh, <laughs> But yes, um, Ben Wheatley is a director I admire a lot and has done some really interesting projects previously. I don't... I I think if you said to me, right, The Meg 2 is happening, Mm. draw up a list of directors, I I don't know if I would have even thought of his name to be involved in it (laughs) in any way, shape or form. But I I don't know, maybe it's a case of they've paid him a lot of money. (laughs) Who knows? Um, Probably. So Statham will be returning. Uh, I can't remember who else actually survived the first film, though, so... Spoilers, I might watch it. You won't watch Sometimes it. I'm fine now. Um, yeah, it's just it's, it's a very sort of off-kilter move. But, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll be Army Hammer. He likes working with him, so... <laughs> Army Hammer and Jason Statham team up to punch a shark. As long as Jason Statham punches a shark, uh-huh. they finally deliver on the promise of the first. And they'll, he'll bring in, like, Reese Shearsmith will be one of the sort of comedic relief 
characters in it. My- oh, Michael Smiley will be in it. <gasps> Michael Smiley as Michael the voice Smiley. of the shark. <laughs> oh, it's great to see Michael Smiley. It is great to see Michael Smiley. Um, hmm. Okay. Well, you know, we'll keep an eye on this one because it may well be a gambit situation where it now goes through 25 different directors and Ben Wheatley's. Because, of course, Ben Wheatley was attached at one point for Gambit as well. So, you know, <laughs> let's never forget that. But just a very strange news story that came yeah. through. Um, okay. Should we talk about any trailers? Do you want to talk about yeah, trailers? Yeah, let's talk about some trailers. Okay. What trailers? Uh, names them. I don't have any listed in the chat. No one ever put them in there. Fine. Uh, okay. The don't... Prom. Let's start there. What the fuck is this? <laughs> The Prom is a musical. It's musical the musical yes. by Ryan Murphy. No, not by Ryan Murphy. He's producing it. He's producing this version, but the musical was written by a Sklar, and it's not the Sklar brothers, the comedians. It is a third Sklar who I think is unrelated to those two Sklars. Anyway, 2018 <laughs> so Broadway musical. It's been made into a film uh-huh. on Netflix. As part it's of about Ryan a girl Murphy's- who wants to take... Her girlfriend to prom, yeah, and as a result, the prom gets cancelled because she can't do that. Basically, and a then close-minded Tanner like, no, she can't be a lady taking another lady to prom, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, in parachute, four former theatre guys to throw a prom: James Corden, mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman, Meryl Streep, yeah, some other guy. They come in wow. and they're like, <laughs> absolute slam on some other guy. <laughs> the thing is. Probably would like him more than James Corden. Uh-huh. And James Corden's like, let's throw this girl a prom. Yeah. Um, He's American in this, which I like. Yeah, and it's going to be... It's going to be good. So much fun. It's going to be released in time to be the worst film of the well, year, the if it is. is that... So there's a lot of songs about prom in this, guys. And the best song about prom was already done in Not Another Teen Movie. Okay, what's that one? Prom Tonight in Not Another Teen Movie. It's the only musical number in that film. Um, and it's great. Um... I think you're forgetting the musical number of Janie's Got a Gun. Oh, that is true, actually. Yeah, okay, fine. I'll give you that. Yeah. I mean, not an original song, but still. Um, and Marilyn Manson's Tainted Love. That's technically credit music, I believe. Uh, and also in in film music, because it's when his sister walks down the hallway. I know the film Inside Out. You'd never Guys, forget. Not Another Teen Movie is a great film. Uh, uh, but from, I don't know if it is. I love Not Another Teen Movie. Okay, well, I, I, I still I don't it, think that it's great. Though. I saw it when I was really young, um, and me and Tom, mm. we watched it, and went, okay, so this is now just the funniest movie we've ever seen. Um, but Prom is going to be... <laughs> prom is going to be... A An outrageous fun. claim. I'm going to watch it. You know I love a musical. Oh, that was a bad drink of coffee. We Sorry. Know you love, we know you love a musical. Yeah, I, look, I think maybe the, prob- the problem for me is that I'm not a huge musical fan. And I think I watched this trailer and I was just like, it feels like any other Christmassy Ryan Murphy type thing where it's a lot of fucking tits and glitter and all that. Gonna but be great. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it. I'm so excited for it. Talking about holidays, yeah. Dolly Parton's Christmas holiday special. <laughs> you watched how long of this trailer? I watched the whole... Th- no, no, I didn't. Oh, no, I turned this one off. You turned it off when the barber started singing. <laughs> yeah, I, look, uh, I'm all for Christmas Carol remakes, but instead of having Ghost of Christmas Past, Future, or Present, or Jacob Marley, or whatever, it's an angel in the form of Sorry. Dolly Parton. Did somebody say 16 original songs by Dolly Parton? 16. 16 original songs by Dolly Parton. Look, I, I I get it. Christine Baranski is Scrooge and she's got she's no holiday spirit. How many times Steve. do we have to see this fucking film being made, though? We've never seen it with Dolly Parton. You've got me there. Country legend Dolly mm-hmm. Parton. Um, will you see it? I said to you, but I might make a promise. I, so I've seen trailers for this mm-hmm. uh, Jingle Jangle, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, Emma Roberts needs a boyfriend at Christmas. Holidays. Um, two two guys write each, to each other in a book and fancy each other. Dash and Slim. Da- Dash and Lily. Yep. Save Christmas. <laughs> I'm um, thinking of Queen and Slim. At Christmas Chronicles two. Yeah. All of these and more are mm-hmm. Christmas movies that are coming to Netflix within the next two months. Yeah. I might watch them all. Okay, I hope you do. Like, uh, I've made promises to do something like this One of them is a series, before. you told me. Yeah, it's eight episodes, and that's going to be... That's the problem is that takes a lot of it. you got a lot of time off at Christmas, though, so you can watch I it. I do. Then. So, during the Christmas period, I might watch every new Christmas offering by Netflix. Okay. It has to have been created this year. Okay. So, 
Although I'm gonna might have to watch Christmas Chronicles one because I didn't see that. I, I think might, you can pick it up agree. from the second. I don't think it's. Fun. I don't think it's necessary. Um, so every new Christmas offering by Netflix for this year, okay. I'll watch mm. and I'll do an episode where we break down my breakdown. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, I look forward to this. Um, you got any others that you want to talk about? Any other Might trailers? Watch them all in one day. Um, <laughs> if not, then we'll move on. Uh, was there any other trailers? I don't think so. Maybe. Who knows? Okay. It's literally no way of knowing, guys. Yeah. No way of knowing if there were any more trailers. Yeah, we we literally couldn't Google that and find it out. Absolutely not. Okay, moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Reviews. Reviews. It's just a quick episode, isn't it? Is it? Are we are we going at pace? No. <laughs> Sorry, I just looked. No. <laughs> I ambitiously said that it was a quick episode because it's not taken us an hour to get to this point yet. Uh, okay, so let's start. Where do you want to start? Let's start with my one and then we'll move on to your ones. Okay, go. Sorry, I just had to lick my lips in anticipation. Uh, so the Mortuary Collection, which is streaming on Shudder currently... Uh, so this is a horror anthology written, directed, and produced, I believe, by Ryan Spindell. Um, really thought you were going to say Ryan Murphy. <laughs> no, like, he's got a shudder contract, too. Yes, a mortician wants to go to prom. Um, yeah, so this is a, a, a story about an eccentric mortician who provides the wraparound story for the stories within, uh, telling stories to a girl who has... Um, got into the mortuary for some reason. Oh, that's the reason. I can't really tell you because it's a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> uh, and she demands that he tells her some stories because storytelling is an important part of te- uh, carrying legacies on. Mm-hmm. And he st- tells a few spooky stories. And it's so for the most part, it's very sort of uh, functional you know, things that go bump in the night type storytelling. It's mm-hmm. nothing revolutionary. Uh, I think it is It's relatively effective in terms of what it's trying to do. It evokes a certain uh, aesthetic of sort of 19, 1950s through to 1970s-y stuff. Yeah. And I think that kind of works quite well. Uh, certainly in, a, in two of the segments it does. Um, it's not, you know, it's not up there with like trick or treat or stuff like that but it's it's i think it's perfectly functional i think if you're looking for something uh that is a little more say throwaway than something like say saint maud or possessor mm-hmm. or something like that at this time of year you know particularly this is a real halloween movie i would say in terms of yeah. its uh, approach to it it's throwaway nonsense you can kind of put it on and it provides effective it's not scary but at the same time it's kind of a throwback and kind of comforting to to watch as a mm-hmm. sort of something that feels very much familiar but at the same time a, a modern take on it i think clancy brown's pretty good in it uh yeah I, yeah i think it's a that'll do pick i don't think it's it's not gonna it's not gonna change the world it's not a revolutionary uh anthology horror and anthology films are always really difficult to get right because tonally you have to and often they suffer because the director is not the same director for each segment whereas this one is purely directed by one person and i think that probably helps it retain some kind of sense of uh purpose but you know i think if you're looking for something that's sort of a bit nonsense then you could do worse than this it's not terrible but it's not yeah. Can I say I'm glad that Shudder is still getting a run out there because you thought that it might last for the trial period and you'll be done. Yeah, I, I really suspected that I was gonna I was gonna rinse it for thirty days and then because I, I think I got it for Creepshow initially, mm-hmm. uh, but they I, like I think I've spoken about them before and said you know they they tend to keep it fresh they tend to add a lot of new stuff as often as possible. And there's enough of a diversity of things in there. And, you know, they get some really good sort of classics in there. Yeah. But they also mix it up with a lot of smaller budget releases, you know, things like Summer of 84 or whatever it was called the other week. Things like that that just I I would never have seen otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's quite nice to be able to say, oh, I've been able to catch up with a couple of things that would not have got any kind of publicity. Uh, so yeah, it's called the Mortuary Collection. It's streaming on Shudder now, uh, wherever you have Shudder, if you have Shudder. Don't get it if you don't want it. 
very much one for that hollow ho- for the Halloween fans for the Halloween for fans of you know Halloweeny type things. Yeah. Borat subsequent movie film. Talking about something that is familiar with a modern twist. Wow. Borat subsequent movie film, otherwise known as Borat Two: My Wife. Okay. Yeah. Um, the unofficial, unofficial title. title. <laughs> yeah. You won't find it listed there anywhere other than here. So yeah, it's um, on Amazon Prime now. It's yes. basically fourteen years on from the original Borat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we return to our favourite Kazakhstan reporter. Who's he's actually my second favourite. He's basically been in um, the Gulag um, for kind of crimes against Bringing Kazakhstan. great shame upon Kazakhstan. Yeah, um, and the film basically picks up from the fact of he's got to now go to America and basically add a, take a peace offering to uh, Mike Pence of a chimpanzee um, to basically make relations between America and Kazakhstan. That's the kind of thing, and everyone hates Borat. Um, except when he gets there, he finds out that in the crate that the monkey should be in is his 15-year-old daughter um, called Tutar, played mm. by Maria Bakalova. Um, and the story basically is much the same as the original one. Like, it's Borat going around America and holding up a mirror to the kind of ugly face of it. While at times there are moments in it you go, These, this cannot... There are times you look at it and you go, this cannot be true because it can only be staged. Mm. And at other times you're like, this cannot be true because I can't believe people are willing to say this with a camera in their face. Yes. Um, I think his daughter adds another element to it. You know, it, there's definitely a storyline here between him and his daughter. Mm-hmm. And obviously how that um, allows him to do some more outlandish things. Um, in the way of putting her in the way of people. Yeah. And she hold, holds herself really well. Like, she puts herself really well in the sense that, like, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen's been doing this stuff for God knows how long. Um, and she's a fairly new face who, you know, carries off what she's supposed to do very competently. Um, like, just as well as the Borat character. It's got all your greatest hits in there. Like, he says, my wife within the first... 10 minutes twice, you know, you see him in a mankini, mm-hmm. um, he says Yesh Kamesh, like, and they're like, oh, now everyone knows who Borat is, he has to wear different disguises, so he gets to do little different characters, and it's almost like these are characters that Sacha Baron Cohen's gone, I can't get a whole movie out of this, mm-hmm. so I can at least put a little bit. I can do a bit. bit. Um, there are times in it, it is genuinely hilarious. Um, there was one bit that made me laugh like a drain, like, mm-hmm. It killed me, and there's other times where I'm like, okay, this does this is doing nothing for me, like it's very stale, mm-hmm. um, and I think it kind of darts across that line. Yeah, like at times it is very inventive and very funny. At the times it's stale and kind of repetitive of its original formula, um, but that doesn't mean it's a bad film. I think it's actually a good film. Like I think it's it's well put together. It's very timely. You know, it's it's basically being filmed while there's a pandemic on at times mm-hmm. um and it's very open about the fact that the pandemic is starts like halfway through this film um and you go i wonder whether or not they knew that was happening yeah like whether they they'd already got this film planned mm-hmm. and then that happened or were they did this happen i don't know the backstory. were they hoping there was a pandemic is well, that what we're saying well, they predicted the or, pandemic did they go, okay, there's now a pandemic, let's see what we can do about this. Like, mm. is this a time to bring this character back into the light? Mm. Um, there's a lot of stuff that people have talked about online about, like, certain people being involved in this film. Yeah. And kind of what that means for those people. Um, like, there's, I'll be open about it. Like, there's Rudy Giuli- Giuliani stuff, which is the guy who's close friends of Donald Trump and kind of what he was going to do on camera. And people have basically said this makes him into a monster. I think, seeing it in the context of the film, I think the people who say they knew that he knew everything about like the age of her daughter in the film, mm-hmm. nothing's ever shown on camera that that is the case. Mm-hmm. So I feel that's being a bit disingenuous. But it is very obvious of his actions and what he is going to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the stuff that Sasha Baron Cohen gets away with, but no one else seems to. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he puts these people in very compromising situations, 
and lets them show themselves up for what they are. And I think moments like that and there are other moments throughout this movie where you see other people like that who, you know, may not be famous, they might just be men on the street. He's very good at showing that side of mm-hmm. what is a very ugly country at times. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I I like America. I, it's it's a place that I've really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Like when I went on holiday there. But, you know, much like England, there's an ugly side to yeah. these countries. Um, and this is a very timely film where it's come out at a time that it seems like this is a moment for that character to come back, even though in principle, just the idea of Borat coming back in 2020 seemed like I was like, is there any point? Yeah. But watching it, you go, okay, yes, maybe maybe there is reason for him to do this. Mm. I think there's definitely, though, that element of preaching to the converted. 100%. Because it doesn't change any minds out there who are pro-Trump and his cronies, because... Absolutely. Trump was Trump and his cronies were awful before the 2016 mm-hmm. election, and, you know, bragged about sexual assault and stuff like in, that. In a way, this is almost... And in a world where that has already happened, and people went, yeah, this is electable... Yeah. What do you like? How do you how do you go on from there? Because all you can do is go. Well, the people who voted for him and liked him before that election probably will still like him now. In a way, this movie hinges on like that's the last shot of the movie. Mm. Um, It's not ruining anything. The last thing is that two words on the screen says "now vote" Mm -hmm. or "vote now," Um, and it's basically there going. You're right. It's going to the people who are already thinking these things mm-hmm. and going, you've got your opportunity to change these things. Make sure you take your opportunity. Yeah. And that's what I mean when I say it's very of it. Like it's, it's come out now for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to get a huge audience watching it because Borat was this super smash hit. Um, and actually, like, they're trying to now use that to do something. Um, I'd recommend it if you like Borat. Mm-hmm. Like, if you like that character or you ever did, watch it. Um, and I think you might enjoy it. And it's available on Amazon Prime now. Yeah. Uh, also available on Amazon Prime. The second of four uh, Welcome to the Blumhouse. Awful title. Uh, productions. <laughs> so this is Blumhouse's television wing. We reviewed The Lie a couple of weeks ago now, I think it was, uh, which was the first. Uh, this one is one that was made specifically for this project, yeah. uh, Black Box. Um, so I'll give the... Um, I'll give the brief summary and we can go from there so after losing his wife and his memory in a car accident a single father undergoes an agonizing experimental treatment that causes him to question who he really is uh so this is uh written and directed by emmanuel oc kafour and starring mamadou afi as our protagonist i i and first of all can i just say i think mamadou afi is a good actor i Mm. i really liked him in patty cakes which he was in three years ago uh, and he's, I think he's decent with what he's given here, but he isn't given an awful lot at all. <laughs> this film, guys, is garbage. Yeah, uh, it's it's a shame because what I mean, th- this is the problem is that in my head, okay, so the film basically centers around this guy having this experimental treatment and then realizing that maybe he's not who he thinks he is, or maybe mm. it's all a bit of an illusion. He is who he thinks he is. Um, it's a shame because what what happened was I I was calling back to last week when I was talking about Possessor, and Possessor is a movie that does exactly what this film is trying to do, but does it much better and has a better sort of uh, mm-hmm. wraparound for it, a, a, an actual storyline that kind of you can you can latch onto and go, oh okay, right, this is the world we're setting up and this is what's happening. Fine, this film trying to ground itself in reality. Mm-hmm. then become with with possessor it's set up as a sci-fi yeah with this it's set up as a realistic film that is happening in the real world has plot holes you can drive tanks through <laughs> and then also sets up this this bizarre um science that is just like bonkers to the point where you just go i cannot believe anything that happens in this film you were like about 20 minutes in just being like I don't understand I don't get why this film is the way it is yeah it 
it, it kind of feels like uh, uh, look i don't know if it's a case of missed opportunity because i don't know if there's a good way to make that film other than make it possessor and make it a better movie it's so paint by numbers is the problem yeah like it's so obvious what every kind of oh what could this mean yeah it's so obvious what it means um and what it tries to layer on this kind of suspense and this kind of Oh, what what could whatever could be behind this door, mm. sort of thing. Like, by the time that it's revealed, like the pullback and reveal, you're there. Like, yeah, I could have told you that. Yeah, it's like every twist and turn is pretty much you know telegraphed fifteen to twenty minutes before it happens. It's like knowing the magician's secrets mm-hmm. and watching him on stage and being like, I know how he's cutting a woman in half. Yeah, except the magician isn't that good in the first place. <laughs> he's actually got a saw. Um. Yeah, I would not recommend. No. I don't even want to spend too much more time talking about no, it. It it's... might win Nerve Award for Stupidest Film of the Year, which is good. Yeah, it's very No, hang stupid, on, wait, what was it that we The Nye is much more stupid. Yes, actually, yeah. And okay. the thing is, we so when we're ranking the Welcome to the Bloomhouse films... Ah, okay, yeah. We did say, does it fall... Like, technically, I think it is a better made film than The Lie. Yes, the problem is the lie has one character who made me enjoy that film. Yeah, I I liked the lie more for one character than I liked this so therefore, film. So the lie is the lie one. is still the best, but not. Yes. It is clearly worse, but it is better for having one two As characters because I like the cop a lot. Yeah, but also the dad of the other girl. Oh, the character made no sense. Yeah, I love the fact that he made no sense. Like, the reason why the lie is top is because. It has made me draw back to actually talking about it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will never talk about Black Box ever again after this episode. I guarantee I genuinely it. forgot before this episode started that we'd, that seen, we'd it. seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, would not recommend. It is available on Amazon Prime if you so wish. Don't bother, guys. We'll review Nocturne and whatever the other one Evil is. Evil Eye. Evil Eye. Maybe. <laughs> I think we'll watch both of them. Uh, but we've got two weeks to do it in, so that's fine. Finally this week. Wow. What a week. What a busy week it's been. Hey, another Sasha Baron Cohen vehicle here. So the trial of the Chicago 7, this was new on Netflix last week. We delayed it this week because <laughs> watch Blind Manor or whatever. I don't know. That's exactly what happened. Uh, so um, this is Aaron Sorkin directing the screenplay that he wrote over 15 years ago um, when it was originally supposed to be a Steven Spielberg film. Uh, so story of seven people on trial uh, stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. Real life story dramatized by Aaron Sorkin. Star studded cast. Mm-hmm. You've got Sasha Baron Cohen. My wife, indeed. Uh, you've got Eddie Redmayne, mm. Mark Rylance, Frank Langella, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Jeremy Strong. Everyone. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. John Carroll Lynch. All of the people you could want in a movie. So many people. Uh, yeah, so this is, yeah, directed by Aaron Tolkien. It's live on Netflix. What did you think, Andy? I love a courtroom drama. Right, okay. I love them. Uh-huh. And I liked this very much. Okay. I think it's sharply written. I think it's funny. It's witty. Um, it's smart. It's dark when it needs to be. Um, I didn't know much about the trial at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when I saw the trailer, I didn't look it up or anything like that. I didn't want to know anything more yeah. so that I could kind of enjoy it. I feel it lacks a little bit in kind of explaining exactly what happened. Yeah. Because um, it's predominantly the courtroom. And I think it does lack kind of exactly what happened that night because I don't think it's ever that clear. Yeah. Um, I think they're kind of relying on you having some kind of known knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, I think there could have been a bit more of an understanding there. But all of the stuff, like, I think the characters are well written. Um, I think it's edited pretty sharply, apart from one weird kind of fade to black. Uh, but apart from that, like, I think it's portrayed very much like a very kind of snappy courtroom drama. I really like this. Mm. I really like it. Um, okay. What about you? I think it's fine. I, I I think it suffers from the problems that you're saying in that I think to someone who's never even heard of the story, it must be quite baffling because it kind of, it throws you into it and it brings up these people's names on screen and it says, you know, whoever they are and what relation they have to the story, essentially. Mm. 
but it doesn't really give you anything in terms of the grand scheme of oh what does this organization actually do oh yeah i had no idea you just go oh, okay so this is this person from this organization i will find out more when i do and then you don't really but you kind of get the gist of it eventually um but yeah i do feel like it's it suffers from probably from a layman's aspect looking mm-hmm. at it you'd go and I am that layman. A, a holding hand wouldn't necessarily have gone amiss. Yeah, like later on in the film, like there's a line said to um, Eddie Redmayne's character, is it Thomas Hayden? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Like um, there's a line said to him about something, and it made me just go, what? Why? Mm. <laughs> like, when did that happen? Yeah. And I genuinely think that if I looked into his character, I would know more about him. Yeah. And understand like who he was and kind of what he was. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea up to that point. Yeah. Um, and it's, I'm not going to say what the line is because it's, it's not even that important. But mm-hmm. I think like this film is well constructed and it's good to go on an adventure. Mm. Uh, I think the courtroom stuff for me was the bits that I just kind of felt. I don't know. It felt a little cliched mm-hmm. for large portions of it, and I was kind of going, "All right, I can get why you're trying to paint this character in this way." I don't necessarily think that it. I, you know, I can't help but feel. I don't know the ins and outs of the trial, but I can't help but feel there is a huge amount of contrivance within that courtroom scene, or within the courtroom scenes, and particularly with regards to one particular character. And I, I kind of got Which to one? the point where I was just going, huh? Which one? Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay. I think I, I have a feeling that they have taken massive liberties with his. I, okay. Yeah. I it may well be that that is exactly how he was, but mm-hmm. if it is, I'm astonished because it just doesn't feel right. And I kind of went, I know what you're doing, and yeah. I can. And Sorkin does this a lot, I think, where he he will he will write the story the way he wants it to be presented, and then go, there we are. That's my version of the mm-hmm. truth. And whether that's you know. Whether that's this, whether that's Molly's game or something like that. Molly's game is a real mess. (laughs) And I think, uh, so what I'm kind of interested in is I would have loved to have seen the Steven Spielberg directed version of this. Mm -hmm. I think it wouldn't have been too much different, but I think there is something about Aaron Sorkin as a director that I don't click with. I think he's a good writer, but I think sometimes he has that Tarantino-ness of needing to be reeled in by someone else. Yeah. And I think there were just a few too many cliche-ridden scenes in it where I was going, ah, I don't know. And it, it it never really punched for me. And I wonder why that is. It kind of felt... I, I knew what the message that they were trying to do is, but it never really felt like it was delivering that with any degree of... I don't know. It, not Not genuineness, not because it did... But I think it never delivered it with the degree of urgency that I think it w- would have liked to. Mm. There's no reason that it shouldn't have. I and that's what I think is interesting. I loved it. Like I really liked it. I think, like I said, I really like a courtroom drama. That's just, there's mm. just something about them that I just really enjoy watching them. Um, and I kind of wish that we had more of it. Like, I find it weird that the one point that I really wanted to hear, like the one point of view, the one character that I really wanted to hear from. Mm-hmm. They fade to black. <laughs> like, they start him talking and then they fade to black halfway yeah. through his speech. And I'm like, no, I kind of really want to hear what he had to say. Like, mm. I feel he's got a lot to say. Yeah. Um, but I think the performances are great. Like, I think there's some really good performances in there. Like, mm-hmm. I really like Mark Rylance. Um, I really like Sasha Baron Cohen in this. Yeah. I think he does very well at playing is it Abby something. Uh, yeah, Abby Hoffman. Yeah. Um, does very well at kind of playing this guy who almost seems like he's there for the media attention, mm-hmm. but there is a lot more under the surface as to what he's putting out mm-hmm. as a public face. Well, he was the original focus of the story when it was first written, was it was written for Sasha Baron Cohen playing that character. Mm-hmm. And then 15 years have gone by or whatever, maybe not 15, 2007, 2008, I think yeah. it was, that they tried to write it. But definitely you can tell that they've still kept like you can tell that it was still written for that mm. character because he is more more so than Eddie Redmayne he is the star of the yeah show and i think it's uh, certain scenes are written in a way that basically highlights that character's things that they do over everything else 
because yes. it's more of a dominant person and it's probably more of a dynamic mm. personality well, which like, makes it more interesting because I think if you had two hours of Eddie Redmayne talking absolutely. Like, what I really it would have been like too dry Eddie Redmayne is very underplayed in this film and mm. I think he does it really well like I think he plays everything so low until a point when he needs to be something more mm. um, and I think when that happens and when the moments where, like... Because I've not seen Eddie Redmayne in something for ages, I don't think. Right. Like, I think the last thing I saw him on was Crimes of Grindelwald. Mm. Um, and it reminds me that actually, like, Eddie Redmayne is this really, really kind of charismatic actor mm-hmm. that I actually just really like seeing. And I think he does very well at basically... He plays it so kind of straight. Yeah. So kind of... And I think that does bounce off, you know, people like... Because it's him and Sacha Baron Cohen. Like, well, you need the balance, yeah. yeah. And I think I think that balance is there, and I think that really works in this film. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to like, and mm. I think there's a lot of really great performances and a lot of really great kind of drama in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can see why this case is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's all the stuff with the judge and you know the eighth member of the of the Chicago Seven. Like, yeah, this is all really really intriguing stuff, and I really liked it. I thought it, it was played really well. Um, so yeah, I 100% recommend it. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I think it is baffling at times, yes. I don't know where I would place it for me. I I guess it's probably a would recommend on the basis that it's probably better than a lot of the stuff that I would have given a That'll Do Pig to. Mm-hmm. But it's not troubling my... like. It, it's not like one that I was going, oh, wow, this is great, and I would... But I think it may well depend on your, I don't know, your attachment to courtroom... I don't know, because I like courtroom dramas still. I don't know. Uh, yeah, fine, I would recommend... Yeah, would recommend... <laughs> it, uh, let it... Let the records... <laughs> let the records note that it's a begrudging... <laughs> would recommend? Wow. I don't know. It's a half-hearted one. No, it's absolutely for me. Like, um, I really enjoyed it. So that is streaming on Netflix immediately. Now, has been for a couple of weeks now. So live, get as you on said it. earlier. Live, live on Netflix. Uh, as always, you can find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, Buzzsprout, just all the places you get podcasts. Such an abrupt end, isn't it? Yeah. Well, like, what else we, we got to say? Uh, all right, what, what do you want to say? <laughs> Guys, listen to a podcast. We really like it when you do. Okay. Uh, rate and review if you can. If you can't, why not? Good, anyway. I, I want a good reason why you can't. Okay, go out and vote, first of all. Yeah, go out and vote, guys. Use your voice. Like, yeah. No matter what you want to say, yeah. make sure your voice is heard. Yeah, go out and vote in whatever election happens to be happening right now. Even if it's even if you turn on your TV and mm. the Britain's Got Talents on and you're like, mm. I need to vote for something, I'll vote for diversity. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Britain's Got Talent is on, is it? I don't know. Diversity are on there still. Strictly is on. Vote for Strictly, guys. Who's going to win Strictly this year? I want your opinion now. Um, Bill Bailey's on it, so him. Okay, cool. He won't win it, I guarantee it. No. No. Nicola Adams is on it as well. Hey, I heard an advert by Bill Bailey about his new book. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing that I think is really insulting. Okay. So at the end of the advert, he says, I hope you enjoy it. You know, uh, I hope it brings you some joy in this sort of trying time. It's out now in all good bookshops. Now, what if it's just a small independent bookshop? You can't afford to bring it in because they haven't got the And it's still shelf a good space. bookshop? Yeah, exactly. That's what he's saying. He's saying they're a bad bookshop if they don't have it. Or a middling bookshop. I suppose all he's doing is excluding them. They could be a great bookshop if they don't carry it. Well, it he's could, just saying they can't be a good bookshop. It could be that bookshop in Nottingham is purely Tintin books. And, you know, they've made a market. Well, that's a Tintin shop. But it's a bookshop. But it also sells Tintin paraphernalia. It sells Tintin tins. Tintin, yeah, it sells Tintin tins. Uh, it sells tinted Tintin tins. Tintin taffy. Yeah. Um, uh, Tintin tap dancing shoes. Uh, oh, it sells promotional uh, Australian biscuits. Tintin tin tams. Um, <laughs> we did it. We did, don't don't try climbing past the peak. I've already bro. said that. You'll um, only find air. <laughs> Uh, the air is so thin up here. Thank you to join. I'm lightheaded as ever for the theme song this week. It was I don't know whatever. And Bye, yeah, uh, you have been listening to the Dinosaur Man podcast, news and review style. Next <laughs> week special episode. Don't worry about it. Thank you as ever, guys. Until next time. 
take care of yourself. Self-love is important, not in that way. Before you get your fucking dick back in your pants. Not that kind of self-love. We're talking about skincare, healthcare, hair care. Mental health care. Care bear. But also, feel free to whip it out and give yourself some self-love if you need to. Jerk away, guys. We're pro-jerking <laughs> anti-sex. Pro- <laughs> yeah, pro-abstinence. How are you going to maintain that abstinence? You better jack it, dudes. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>